Heavenly Father, as we open your word this morning, we ask you to speak to us. Lord, take all of our preconceived ideas, all of our struggles, the things that we hold so tightly to that we may not give them over even to you. Lord, take all of it, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, let your words sink deep into our hearts and minds, that the reality of the kingdom of God might be our everyday experience. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. Please be seated. So I think today is going to be a little bit different. This is going to be part sermon, part talk, probably part ranting at some point, uh, part sharing my heart. I'm not even sure what to call this. So what I'm hoping is I'm looking at the clock, and sometime before 11, I'm going to stop. But I don't totally know where all of this is going yet. I was driving along the feeder going north of the tollway, and I pull up next to a lady. She's not driving very fast. She was probably only doing about 40. And I drove up next to her, and I'm passing her, and as I look over, I can see part of the reason she is driving slowly. She has her iPhone out, and it's a big iPhone, because they have big iPhones now. And she's got this big iPhone out, and it's not like just texting or something like that. She is FaceTiming. You can see her talking, and, and this person talking back. She's FaceTiming while she's driving. I sped up and got way past her, because I didn't want anything to do with this car. I didn't want to be anywhere near this person. Now, here's the thing. There is nothing wrong with FaceTiming. I mean, especially because now we're such a spread out culture. I mean, probably everybody in this room, you have relatives or good friends who live a long ways away, and FaceTime's really kind of neat. However, when you're driving, there's a bigger picture. Like, you gotta be seeing things other than this little phone. It is dangerous to have your focus so much on that little phone that you miss everything else. I'm going to say something now that is going to cause a few of you to bristle. Sometimes, maybe a lot, maybe predominantly in the Western evangelical church today. We treat the Bible like that phone. We are so focused on making sure that we read our Bible that we are missing the world around us. We are so focused on making sure that we do a quiet time. The question becomes, are we doing anything with it? Because I can tell you that from my own background, here's the thing that mattered. 
are you reading the Bible? That's the question you were asked. That's what you felt like all spirituality was about. Are you reading the Bible? If I am, I'm spiritual. If I'm not, I'm not. In fact, the pastor of a church that I was once at said this. If you are not reading the Bible, you are not growing in your relationship with God. And I thought to myself when he said that, what about the 1,500 plus years before the printing press? Like none of those people ever grow? Like none of them? What about the fact that even once we got the printing press, most families still didn't have a Bible? They weren't growing? Here's what I think. I think reading the Bible has become an excuse. And instead of living for Christ, the church is settling for doing quiet times and Bible studies. And it is not changing lives. Here's what I think is happening. This is our text. You are the salt of the earth. Not you become it. This isn't a go grow into it. This is a you are this. When you came to Christ, you were born again. You were filled with the Holy Spirit. You are a new creature in Christ. It's what you are, not what you have to become. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Now, when you hear this passage, a lot of times you start hearing all the ways salt is used. It was a preservative in the ancient world. It was used to treat wineskins. It was used for taste. It was even used as an agent in fertilizer. You combine it to make a manure to fertilize crops. You are the manure of the earth. <laughs> Same thing happens with light. He goes on and he says, you are the light of the world. Again, you are. It's not what you're becoming. It's what you are in Christ. And it's a different starting point. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. That is a similar idea to, here's this salt, and whatever its use is, if it loses its saltiness, it's useless. Here's the light. If you light the light, but then you put a bushel over it or a basket over it, it's no good. It does not do what it is supposed to do. Light is supposed to do what? Illumine right? But if you hide it, it doesn't do that. He keeps going. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And here is the basic thing that Jesus says. You are salt. You're the salt of the earth. And I don't care if you think of that as preservative or taste or manure. I don't care. You are something. You are the light of the world. But 
if you lose your saltiness, if you hide that light, it is useless. It does no good. We were taking a walk yesterday, and we see lots of people walking. You know, is that temperature does this as it always does in Dallas? It's like 33 degrees, now it's 60 degrees. And that, as it does that, you watch people go, oh, there's this window. There is light, and there is heat, and I'm going to walk. And so, like, the neighborhood just fills up with people. So we're taking a walk, and this couple is on the other side of the street. We're walking this way. They're walking this way, this way toward us. They have a dog. Most dogs that we see in these neighborhoods, they want to say hi to you, right? They're very excited to say hi to you. Well, this was a little bulldog, and he was very excited to say hi to us. And so from across the street, we hear him. He starts pulling, and we hear him start barking. Now, put in your mind, bulldog. What do you hear in your mind when you hear bulldog? And think if, you know, you go to somebody's house and maybe you're trying to break into their home and from behind the door you hear a bulldog. Do you want to break into that house still? What if that bulldog sounded like a duck? Because this bulldog quacked. I am not kidding you. This bulldog went, mack, 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 mack. It was the most bizarre noise. And as we start laughing, the owners started laughing because they know their bulldog quacks like a duck. It was awesome. We were cracking up. It made our walk. It was wonderful. It will do nothing to protect your house. Because if you go to and break into a home and you hear a quack from the other side, oh good, they have a duck guarding the house. Now you might think they're crazy because they have a duck in their house, but you're not gonna be scared that the duck is quacking because a bulldog who quacks is useless to do what it's supposed to do in protecting the home from behind the door and barking that deep growl. Salt that loses its saltiness is useless. Light that is hidden is useless. And it was supposed to be that it would reveal your Father in heaven we were saved that our lives would point to our Father in heaven. We were saved for a reason. And that reason was not to turn inward, to have lots of Bible studies, to do lots of church things. It was to reveal our Father in heaven. And when we aren't doing that, my brothers and sisters, we are useless when it comes to the kingdom. We are not fulfilling our, our role. We're not fulfilling why he died for us and rose again. We are useless. And here's my fear. Even worse, we are hurting the name of Christ. I went into the store this morning um, we, we were bringing half and half for the celebration afterwards and for coffee, and I told Aaron, I'm like, we got half and half, we're good. Um, what I didn't do is check the expiration date. Thankfully, and you should all thank me, I did check the expiration date before I dumped it into something that you would all pour into your coffee. Um, it was not good to drink. So on the way to church, quickly went over to Kroger and ran inside. Now I'm collared, 
and I don't have a robe on or anything, you can see that collar. And I'm gonna tell you my experience, and this is pretty normal. My experience is this. You walk in a public place with a collar on, and at least half the people that see you, they do this. They look at you, and then they look down a little bit, and then they look down further and walk by. <laughs> they do not want to connect with you when you are wearing that collar. You know what the world knows us for? Condemnation, not redemption. The reason they avert their eyes, the reason they think they can't use foul language, like do they really think none of us do? But here's the point. They know us for condemning them. Like they think of us as those people who they're just gonna look down on me. My goodness, the only place that I can walk into with a collar where people actually look to me for help is a hospital. Because it's a bunch of sick people who know they need help and they're desperate enough to go, maybe this person can help me. As followers of Jesus, golly, people should be able to hear, you're a follower of Jesus, I can, can you help me? Not, I don't wanna tell you all the bad stuff that's gone on in my life, because then you'll reject me. We are known as people who condemn, not redeem, and, and you all know this, we're known as hypocrites. I mean, how often do you see us portrayed in poor light, whether it's on TV or on a movie? or what? We're portrayed in a poor light. We're portrayed as hypocrites. Why? Because so many of us are. Like, instead of looking away and going, how dare they do that? We should be going, why are they doing that? Because that's what we are. Because we will preach about all of these great things. You know, how God hates divorce and God doesn't want us to cheat, and God doesn't want us to do all these things, and then we go and do them. They know us as hypocrites because so many of us are. And then it's even worse. We won't even own our hypocrisy. Instead of just owning up to the fact that, yeah, I screwed that up. That's not on Jesus, that's on me. We've got great excuses and justifications. So that pastor that said those words, if you are not reading your Bible, you are not growing in Jesus. That pastor is no longer in ministry because he committed adultery. I know another friend of mine, senior pastor at a church, same thing, sexual sin, no longer in ministry. These are just people I know. An article just came out in Christianity Today. The CEO of Acts 29, who has brought that organization from 300 churches to 800 churches, he's been removed. We're a mess. And I would argue that part of the reason we're a mess is we have lost our focus. We have decided, as the evangelical church in particular, that if we just get more information, everything's gonna be okay. If I just learn more Bible studies, learn more theology, if I could just explain the Trinity, my goodness, that stuff matters so little compared to actually serving Christ. I once thought to myself this. If I could give you one lesson each week, one lesson, one small, tiny change in your life every week, and all you did throughout the week is you meditated on that idea 
and it changed you, it would probably be about 50 changes more per year in most of our lives than what we typically get out of church. And to be frank, that's not all your fault. It's my fault. It's a lot of us preachers. We give you all kinds of inspiring stories and we tell you this neat theology, but half the time don't tell you what to do with it. We have to be a people. As the Bible tells us, we have been redeemed for good works. We have been redeemed to go out and to serve people. We are so enamored at times, and I'm not talking about anybody individually in here. You take this as it applies to you. I'm just talking about in general for the church. We're so enamored by being entertained within the church that we will sacrifice substance for it. As long as I can come and I can be like, that's awesome, and I can laugh, and I can do this kind of stuff, and, and my kids are really happy and everything else, and we will sacrifice substance for that. Just like, and this is just America, we value our autonomy, do we not? We like to determine what's right for us, what's good for us, what we get to do and not do, and yet the Bible is so filled with the idea of submission, authority. We don't like either one, but I don't know how we are supposed to grow when the whole apparatus seems to be set up to go what will make you happy, here's some more information for you, and then you do what you want with it. Instead of, we are called to serve the living God. We are called to be trained, to go do something, to be salt, to be light, and to make a difference. That is our calling. And when we reject that, we're useless. And even more so, we might, we might be hurting the name of Christ. And I really don't think anybody in here wants to hurt the name of Christ. I really do believe deep down that everybody here, like you want to see Christ lifted up. You want to see people come to Christ. But he's given us that calling. My challenge for you is to walk out of here this morning and to say to yourself, I am going to start doing my faith by the power of the Spirit. I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna make significant changes. I'm gonna start thinking about obedience. You know what, I may not want to do this, but he calls me to it. And so Lord, Give me the strength and the faith and I'm gonna step into what you are calling me to. I'm gonna take stock of my life and all of my excuses and I wanna live for you. Because here's the incredible thing, church. You already are salt. You already are light. All he's saying is be what you are. And how many of you do you ever feel guilty about doing something wrong? Do you ever get to a point where you know what the right thing is? You still do the wrong thing, but you know what the right thing is. That's part of your salt and light. That's part of your rebirth. 
Like we know half the time what the right thing is. And I'm gonna stop making the excuses and step into being what he's already made me. He has given us that gift. Now we get the privilege of living into it. I've been reading the Bible with my son, um, and just so I don't you know, sound overly spiritual, it's been about two weeks. Um, wish it had been longer, but it hasn't been. And I read with him, that's my nine-year-old, I read with him, it's been about three times a week. Um, it's not every night, but it's kind of getting in there, and, and we're just reading one story each time. And this last time, well, the time before that, we had a really good time. We read through, we had a great discussion. Like he felt, I seemed like he was really into it. And I asked him, could you imagine this scene? He's like, yeah, I can see it. Like, that's awesome. So I walk in and I said, hey, where's your Bible at? And he's on his bed and he is reading Diary of a Wimpy Kid. And I, he said, oh, it's over there somewhere. And so I go and I get the Bible and I walk and I sit down. And I said, can we read? And he looks up at me and he looks down at his book. He goes, I am reading. <laughs> like, no, we need to read the Bible. And I said, let's just do one story together. Come on, you really liked it last time. Let's do one story. And so we read through this one story. And I get to the end. And this sermon talk thing, whatever this is, um, this is going through my mind. And I thought, all right, Keenan. Let's talk about what this means. And let's talk about what we do with this. Like, today, tomorrow, the next day. Like, it was a good story. And you got that. You saw it. That was cool. But I don't want you to just know this story. Buddy, I want you to know the God who's in this story. And he wants you to serve him. Like, he wants you to live differently. That's why we would be in the scriptures. And he went, okay. <laughs> but hey, that's my job as a parent, right? Disciple my kids. Just gotta keep going with him and walking with him and, and talking about this with him. All right, I don't have an ending. Um, it's almost 11 o'clock, so I'm gonna end in a minute. Um, we are salt and light. And when we're not that, we're useless for the kingdom of God. And even worse at times, that reputation of condemning, that reputation of hypocrisy, whether it's true or not, it is there. It has hurt the kingdom. And my encouragement for us is to stop seeking so much information and start looking for the transformation in our lives. Stop looking for the entertainment and recognize the substance that is there and step into it. Recognize where you want so much autonomy in your life that you're just like, I'm gonna do whatever I want. Oh man, and then the worst, and nah, I shouldn't even say this, but I'm going to, is when we attribute that to God. Like, ah, God wants me to do this. Don't use God as an excuse. Submit yourself to him. And then follow and let's see if we can be what he says we already are, what he saved us to be, salt and light in the world. Then our Father will get the glory. Amen? Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, take this weirdness of a message and use it by the power of your spirit. Lord, help us to understand who we are in Christ and then to see where we are falling short by our own choices and then to come to you and to make different choices. Lord, to rely on your power and your strength to do so because you have empowered us and to live this life that you might be glorified in our lives and in the lives of those around us. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.